Good day to you ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Film Focus Episode 4, X-Men Apocalypse, The Review. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen of the North, South, East, and West, and welcome to Film Focus. My name is Ibersonic55, and I will be taking you through this review of X-Men Apocalypse. And I am very glad that you decided to join me today. And yeah, let's just talk about X-Men a little bit before we get into the Apocalypse review itself. Now, the X-Men film franchise, it is no secret that that franchises had its ups and downs. The first film helped usher in the new age of comic book films, at least in the popular sense, along with Blade and Spider-Man. And then obviously we went to X-Men 2, which is still arguably my favorite X-Men film. Took everything that the first film did, but better, better, and super better. And then uh, there's X-Men 3. Ha <laughs> ha. We don't talk much about that film. And then we have that other film that came afterwards, which was a prequel. And I don't even mention it by name because it, it hurts my soul. Oh, crap, let's just talk about it. Origins. That film sucks. It's, it's, it's terrible. Um, and then, out of nowhere, the franchise got course corrected with First Class, which is fabulous. And then Daisy Future Past came along. And that was great. So, after Days of Future Past, you could go anywhere with the film franchise. Oh, crap. Actually, I forgot about The Wolverine. <laughs> the Wolverine is actually a film that I like a lot. While the third act of the film is ghastly and totally contradicts all of the good material that was in the film beforehand, The Wolverine was a pretty solid adventure, especially the uncut version. But anyway, going back to Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past... There's so much right. And to be honest, Days of Future Past, what it did is it course corrected the entire X-Men franchise. It eliminated the bad from the series and sort of just set up this brand new world and endless possibilities that the X-Men film franchise could go in, basically. And when it came to the trailers, they were all right. I mean... As the trailers progressed with each new one, my excitement level got higher. But again, it never got me to the point where I was just like, Oh my god, a new X-Men film, I gotta see it, gotta see it. I always love being stupidly hyped for films. And I think the main reason that I wasn't absurdly hyped for X-Men Apocalypse was one, Days of Future Past was a, such a solid film. It was going to be hard to top that. So in the back of my mind, I was already saying to myself, this film is probably not going to be as good as the last one just because the last one was pretty darn solid. And secondly, it was just the trailers again. They just didn't wow me. They didn't blow me away. And I like to be blown away with my trailer material. But anyway, I've seen the film at least once anyway. And here's the thing about 
X-Men Apocalypse. It's good. Considering all the mixed responses that I heard about the film go before going into it, I was surprised about how much I actually liked it. X-Men Apocalypse is good. It's solid with the really good character material, some really fabulous action sequences, and there are certain moments in the film that have my favorite moments of the X-Men film series in general, bar none. But the film has problems with its story, with certain characters and there's certain issues that plague not only this film, but there's long-term issues with the franchise, in my opinion, that still haven't been ironed out in Apocalypse as well. But I'll get into some of those fine line details in the review. And bearing in mind, this review is spoiler free, but there will be a tiny point towards the end where I will talk some specific spoilers. So you can listen to this whole thing, but then if you want to hear some spoiler based material, I'll get into some of those points towards the end. All right, cool. Let's do it. So the story of X-Men Apocalypse involves in Sabanor aka Apocalypse. He's the ancient being known as the first mutant and after being incarcerated in ancient Egypt many 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 years ago he arrives from his slumber in the 1980s and sees that the world just isn't the way he wants it to be so he decides to grab a few mutants make them his four horsemen of the Apocalypse and wants to cleanse the earth of all the humans and create a new one for mutants and anybody else who survives. So now it's down to the X-Men to stop Apocalypse from completing his nefarious plan. And that is pretty much a very simplistic version of what the story is in this film. The story of X-Men Apocalypse is one that is pretty intriguing, surprising, and familiar. The tone is pretty dark and grim, similar to Days of Future Past, with some pretty dramatic and emotional material. But there's also a lot of humor to counterbalance, like, you know, some of the, like, you know, more darker moments in the film. What I liked about this film was that when it worked, it was mainly thanks to the characters involved. Some of my favorite aspects of any of the X-Men films have always been about the connection between the characters and the strong arcs that they have. And this film is no different. This film definitely starts out very strong with a very good backstory for Apocalypse, seeing how he came to be, and all of that backstory is really interesting. Seeing what's transpired in the world of X-Men since Days of Future Past was some really cool stuff, and some of the new material that they introduced story and character-wise is pretty solid. And for long-term X-Men fans who have been watching these films since their inception back in the year 2000, you know, there are some wonderful throwbacks to not only the previous two X-Men films, but all the way back to, like, you know, the first X-Men film. And they are sprinkled throughout the film. And when you see some of these moments, if you're a long-term fan like me, you're going to get giddy. And I certainly got giddy, and I was so happy to see some of these things, like, you know, happen as they did on screen. But for me, there were certain issues with the story. With the previous two X-Men films, First Class and Days of Future Past, those had balanced and cohesive stories. And the story in this film, while solid, just doesn't feel as complete, straightforward, and well put together as the previous two films. 
And while that may be down to the fact that those films had much simpler stories and were a little bit more straightforward and weren't as large in scale, I just feel like for all the stuff that this film had to introduce, then remind the audience of at the same time, it just was a little questionable at certain points. And plus, I miss the fact that the X-Men films have always been grounded in realism to a certain degree. And this film just felt a little too larger than life. It was getting into territories that was just a little more sci-fi than anything else. And while that may work for certain people, it wasn't my cup of tea personally. Also, certain plot points don't pay off in the way that I feel that they should have. And even though the X-Men timeline is messed up already and was course corrected with Days of Future Past, there's certain things that are included in this film that will either confuse casual fans or make, you know, even hardcore fans question some of the stuff that's going on in the film. And with Brian Singer at the helm of this film, I love it, but I also really dislike it because, granted, Brian Singer helped craft the X-Men universe as we know it today, and he's made four out of, was it nine of the X-Men base films that we have and I really love his style and the direction that he chooses because he does a lot of things right but some of the same issues that I have with the way in which he handles certain story and character issues just makes me wish that he'd either change things up or get someone else in the mix to go about and uh, vary the series like what Matthew Vaughn did with First Class or what Tim Miller did with Deadpool. As for the cast, it is a pretty large ensemble, but then at the same time, most X-Men films are, and for the most part, everybody was pretty good in their roles. However, there were certainly a good few characters that were shortchanged. Firstly, to start with James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender, who once again do very well in their roles as Professor X and Magneto. Since First Class, both of these characters have been very important and have had the most captivating story arcs and that definitely continued in this film as well. It was cool to see like you know an older Professor Rex starting to settle into the role of being the teacher running his school but also having you know a lot of issues in the background but I believe that Magneto definitely had the stronger arc and probably the strongest arc of this film he continues to be one of the most tragic and most complex characters in the film series with all the drama and conflict that he faces and Michael Fassbender, I swear to god that guy just at this point in time he can't do anything wrong. He was one of the most if not the most compelling element of first class. He was definitely one of the strongest elements of Days Future Past and it continues here. I, When his stuff goes down in the film you feel, you feel. And he has some of the just, oh, he's so good. I'm going to save some of the other stuff for spoilers because I swear I'm going to say something I shouldn't. <laughs> but yeah, Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy do really well on their roles. And then you have Oscar Isaac as Apocalypse, who was good, but for me was a little underwhelming. I like the character motivations and what he represented at first. And the way in which he goes about talking and conducting himself was pretty interesting but overall I just found him hard to engage with and hard to relate to because he just felt so alien slash robotic and obviously this guy's the first mutant so he's not gonna have the same sort of like uh, people skills that modern day people have 
I'm not expecting another Loki or Joker kind of villain, but I just felt like there could have been more done with his character just to make him seem a little bit more imposing, threatening, and, you know, just someone to fear. And I feel like Isaac did the best with what he was given, but he wasn't as great as he could have been. Evan Peter returning as Quicksilver was great. He was definitely a more fully formed character. He had much more development and screen time and he had that same wonderful charisma and delightful energy that just makes him, you know, one of the best parts of Days of Future Past and he just continued to be great. I loved him more in this film than I did in Days of Future Past, honestly. I also like Nicholas Holt as uh, Hank McCoy. He did a pretty good job. And the return of Rose Byrne as Moira McTaggart was pretty decent. I also liked that Josh Hellman came back as William Stryker in a slightly more substantial role. And I also really liked the return of Lucas Till as Havoc, as he had like a little bit more to do and had like, you know, some very cool moments in the film. Oh yeah, and I almost forgot to mention Mystique as well, um, played by Jennifer Lawrence. There has been a lot of controversy surrounding her role in this film. And for me, for the way in which Mystique was used in the film in terms of her character and how it's progressed from the last film, it was logical the way in which she operated in this film. And it was surprising how much I accepted her in this film. However, that doesn't mean I completely liked her. Some of her character motivations just felt a little off and there were certain times where she felt a little schizophrenic when she was talking to certain people, how she would be nice one minute but then completely mean the other. I'm just like, make up your mind, woman. What do you actually want? Sort your life out. Bloody hell. And now we can talk about, like, you know, a lot of the newcomers in the film as well. Or just anybody else. <laughs> so firstly, there is Sophie Turner, who fared pretty well as Jean Grey. In the trailers, I wasn't sure if she was going to be able to, you know do justice to this role but I feel like she settled into the role really well and had some of the best moments of the new characters. The same can be said for Ty Sheridan as Scott Summers aka Cyclops who had a very good backstory, had a lot more presence and charisma than what we've seen in the past and while I like James Marsden as the original Cyclops, this kid already showed me a lot more of what I liked from the Cyclops character than anything that, he, that Marsden was able to do in the previous films. Cody Smith-McPhee also did a good job as Nightcrawler. While I was, you know, hesitant going in because I really love Alan Cummings and what he did with X-Men 2, McPhee brought a nice, youthful energy, charisma, and humor to the role, and he was just so much fun to watch. And then there's, like, you know, these slightly more disappointing characters. Firstly, we have Olivia Munn as Psylocke. I was so excited to see her in this film because you know, f firstly, we've never had Psylocke on a film, and secondly, Olivia Munn, like, you know, was it, while a lot of people give her a lot of crap, she's an alright actress when given the right material, and I thought she was going to be badass in this film, especially all the hype that was surrounding her with all the sword training and stuff, but her character was so weak, man. She was introduced in the most blur way, and she had little to no relevance on the main plot. She was just meh. And Ben Hardy as well as Angel slash Archangel. Wasted. Completely wasted. I mean, this is a kid that came from EastEnders who my sister wouldn't shut up about. And I was hoping that he was going to have, like, you know, a substantial role in the film. But he was wasted even more so than Silent. Bloody hell. And Alexandra Ship as Storm. 
Yeah. She was fine, but not nearly as great as she should have been. My issue with Storm is that she does certain things and she has like a screen presence, but not much of one. She doesn't do much more than what she's shown in the previous X-Men films and I feel like again, Storm is being dealt a cruel hand. She is a much more substantial, strong and incredible character and she's just been shortchanged in the bloody films again and it just disappointed me to no end. But the biggest disappointment in terms of characters that were like hyped up to the nth degree or at least like you know showing a promotional material that had no relevance in the film whatsoever is was Lana Condor as Jubilee. For all the hype that was shown about her being in the film her role was incredibly minor and she didn't even use her abilities. She didn't even use her abilities. What a waste. Now understand with a big cast like this you have to keep everyone who's relevant at the forefront. And you know, obviously if there are characters in the film for fan service purposes or just to, you know, be extended background characters, that's fine. But make good use of them. Or if they don't need to be there, don't put them in there in the beginning. So yeah, th that's that. And obviously there's a cameo from a certain character that if you're not aware of it now, then, you know, good on you because like, you know, the internet seems to find a way to ruin everything for everyone, but his cameo is pretty sweet. And I'll leave it at that. So when it comes to the presentation of the film, it's pretty solid. Visually, the film is pretty good with its CGI, with some good attention to detail, with the superpowers and the large-scale action sequences, especially when it came to the Quicksilver sequence in this film, which, in my opinion, was much better than the Days of Future Past sequence, just because the choice of song was a heck of a lot better and just the action in general was just so much more insane but i will admit that some of the fight scenes and action sequences in general just weren't as exciting as i would have hoped and it doesn't help that a lot of the action sequences in the film were slightly only slightly more than what we saw in the trailers and i mean maybe that's my fault for watching all of the trailers but i thought there would be a lot more to the film and with all this large-scale destruction as well i just didn't care well, it's just being destroyed again. I've seen this a million times right now. And, meh, you know. <laughs> oh, and finally, the film score by John Oatman was great. And this might be his best work in the film series so far, as this music for the film was a little bit more diverse, intense, dramatic, and always had relevance when stuff was happening on screen. I've always liked John Oatman as he brought a certain flavor to the X-Men film series since I think maybe X-Men number two. So now it's time for the conclusion. X-Men Apocalypse, when I rated it the first time I saw it almost two weeks ago, I gave it a 7.5, saying that it had some of my favorite elements of the series so far, but it was not without its problems. And annoyingly, the more I think about some of the issues that plague the film and some of people's complaints about it, it's harder for me to ignore, you know? And you know, it's a solid film. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't say it's a complete waste of time. I wouldn't say it's a shit film. It's a good film. It just has issues. X-Men Apocalypse, as I said before, go watch it, see what you think of it, and then come back here and let me know what you thought of it. 
be sure to comment in the section below and let me know what you thought of the film and hit me up on that Twitter as well at Hypersonic55 and at Film Focus as well. So that's where the main review ends. So if you want to go about and hear some spoilers, you can stick around. But for all of you that don't want to hear spoilers, I'll see you later. Alright, it's time to talk spoilers. So, X-Men Apocalypse for me has some really great moments and some of those moments involve Quicksilver and Magneto and my boy Wolverine. So firstly, let me talk about that Quicksilver sequence. That sequence was incredible. Seeing Quicksilver have to go back and save all of the people in the X-Men mansion from that on oncoming explosion was insane the way in which it was choreographed and handled and had so many nice little moments of humor but also creativity and the way in which he saved some of those people that was fabulous and the fact that it was one of my favorite 80s songs sweet dreams are made of this that was just delightful so good and let me just talk quickly about magneto as I said before, he has one of the strongest arcs in this film, and that's mainly because, because after his major incident back in the 70s, he's become a recluse. He's moved on, had a family, he works in a construction site, he's trying to lay low. But after he uses his powers to save an individual from getting squashed by, like, I think this massive cylinder full of, like, you know, hot lava kind of looking stuff. It obviously wasn't lava, but you know. This fiery base material. I think maybe hot liquid metal. Anyway, his daughter eventually gets captured by these policemen, or at least I think some sort of policemen or some sort of authorities, and they ask him if he's Magneto. And then his daughter goes about and uses her abilities to summon all this nature stuff to try and attack those men who have her held hostage. But then, during the confusion, some idiot with a bow and arrow decides to go about and let go and he shoots through both Magneto's daughter and his wife as well and I'm just like bloody hell I felt so bad for the guy because his life has been nothing but tragedy after tragedy and even after he tries to course correct himself tries to go on a straight and arrow tries to be a recluse tries to do the right thing his life still ends up being crap this time he generally tried to be a good guy and it felt like the world basically fucked him over again so when he just turns over and just takes the metal necklace and just cuts through those guys like it's nothing, I'm like, bloody hell. And then there was that moment just before he was going to go back and take out all those dudes in the factory. I was ready. I was so hyped. But unfortunately, that didn't come to pass. Because bloody, bloody Apocalypse came along and then just phased them through the floor. I was really looking forward to that Apocalypse. You took it away from me and that sucked. And obviously there's the Wolverine sequence. For me, Wolverine is still my boy. I know people are tired of seeing Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, but I knew he was going to be in this film regardless of whether it was shown in the trailers and he was Weapon X with the headgear and he ran through that place and murdered everybody and I was just like, damn, <laughs> this is the best Wolverine action sequence we've had probably ever. Because that's one thing I'll give Brian Singer. He knows how to direct cool Oz Wolverine sequences. He did so well with the Wolverine flashbacks and some of the Wolverine action sequences when the soldiers infiltrated the X-Men mansion in X-Men number two. 
but here it's just hardcore. He is cutting, slicing, dicing blood. It was gorgeous. And oh my god, like, you know, was it the carnage was real and it was beautiful. So yeah, some people complain that that scene, like, you know, slowed down the film and had no relevance and it was just for fan service, but screw it. I thought it was friggin' awesome. But yeah, there was also another few cool sequences, like the mind battle between Xavier and Apocalypse. That was very creative and interesting and something that we've not seen in the X-Men franchise before. And also seeing the Phoenix Force, you know, inside of Jean Grey as well, towards the end of the film, that was awesome. In terms of my issues, I just wanted to talk about some of the spoilers in the film. Psylocke just sort of disappears during like the last sequence of the film. She's just like, okay, well, I'm just going to retreat into the shadows and that's it. And I'm like, you, you didn't even need to be here. Why? And bloody Archangel. It's funny. Some person brought it up in a YouTube comment. It's funny how a character who flies dies in a plane crash. <laughs> it was just so weird and random and just so off. And going back to Storm, I understand that this is Storm's first appearance and, you know, she's still got room to grow, but come on, man. I feel like this was the filmmaker's opportunity to reestablish the character as a strong, confident individual and make her a little bit more powerful, not only personality-wise, but also with her abilities, like, you know, show some differentiation with her abilities because, you know, she can control the bloody weather, make her do something more than just fly around do something with the wind and shoot lightning give me some snow give me some blizzard give me some hail give me something and it felt like they just wasted her again and i'm just like come on brian singer it's it's how many films in you're still giving storm like you know was it crap crap stuff to do come on step it up son and with x-men apocalypse considering like you know the large scale destruction that happened in this film I feel like, you know, Charles Xavier's hope for the humans and mutants to be together. That shit ain't gonna work out. Considering all the chaos that's gone on with mutants in the last two films, but then taking into consideration that Magneto and Apocalypse and the rest of those guys almost tore the world to shreds completely. There is no coming back from that. This is a large world ending event. And I don't know how the world is going to recover from that. And how humans are ever going to trust mutants again. But at the end of the film it feels like. It feels like everything's almost reset. Like Magneto for all his drama is able to make up with Charles Xavier. And they're all cool. And it seems like the world doesn't seem to be that bothered about the fact that the mutants almost destroyed the world almost tore it apart there has to be some ramifications some consequences but it just seems like the film didn't address that maybe it'll address it in the next one but at this current point in time considering how large scale this film was i'm wondering where the franchise goes after this because with each sequel normally you're meant to go about and up the stakes and up the ante and create a larger scale for you know future events in the next film but honestly apocalypse is a pretty big event and it's pretty much the largest problem that the x-men have faced so far so where do you go to space 
that would be a little too out there. Something tells me you're going to have to scale things back. And I'm wondering what's going to happen with, you know, Mr. Sinister and that company and the potential cloning of Wolverine with X-23, but who knows. X-Men Apocalypse has done a lot well, but it's also created a few problems for the franchise going ahead. I just hope that those issues will be able to be ironed out. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Be sure to go back and drop me a line in the comments section and on Twitter, hypersonic 55 And I will see you on the next episode. So, from Film Focus, this is me, the hypersonic 55 signing out, yo. 